Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We welcome you whatever time and wherever in the world you are listening. We are pleased you have found us. You are now listening to Inside the Bunghole, a podcast taking you on a journey through wine. Together, we will learn more about this wonderful elixir of life. So raise your glass to welcome your hosts and partners in wine, Pam and James. You are now Inside the Bunghole. Well, welcome to another episode of Inside the Bunghole, and we are absolutely thrilled to be sitting with Hitching Post entrepreneur, hardest working person I understand <laughs> in the land. Frank well, Ostini. Yes, it's Ostini, but it's Ostini. Either way, but it's Ostini. Welcome. He doesn't care. Welcome to Bealton. Yes. Just don't call him late for dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, I want to talk to you because I think that part of your passion is the pairing food with well, wine. I'm not so much of, um, you know, like this is the perfect wine to go with this perfect dish. I'm really a proponent of the wine is being made to go with food. And, uh, and that's the magic and the miracle of, uh, of appreciating it. And it, it elevates food. My family's been in the food business forever. And that was one of the things my family didn't appreciate, food and wine uh, together. And uh, it was good food, but it, 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 I guess it didn't capture me. It didn't intrigue me. Um, it was just good food, and we always had that. And uh, but when I brought good wine to the table, and how complex it made a meal, and how social it made uh, the dining situation, I I fell in love with the whole the whole thing. I decided I wanted to make wine real early, because there was a vineyards being planted here, but very few wineries. And so um, we got access to, I became friends with all the winemakers here. I had winemaker friends in Napa Valley, um, and they helped me get started. So I called all my friends and I said, hey, I want to make wine uh, at home, and we got to pick the grapes. And they, and they quizzed me a little bit more, and they said, you want to make like Italian rot gut homemade wine? And I'm going, no, 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 this is fine table wine dry you make it dry it's not sweet like old homemade wines um it goes with food and they're going what are you you know no nobody was interested except my partner to this day someone i barely knew at the time gray hartley and he just said yeah let's do it be there she's i'll bring the croissants you make the coffee (laughs) we're gonna form a rock band we'll be at your place at six o'clock and uh that was in 1979 and we went out and picked grapes, and we made a pretty delicious wine. We had a, we had a uh, whiskey barrel, an old uh, brandy barrel, that we um, American oak brandy barrel that we put the wine in. And then I found out about this stuff called French oak, and uh, we bought an oak barrel right at the end of the barrel aging process. Put the wine in there for two weeks, and it just got real oaky really quick. It turns out that. We know now you put new wine in new barrels. You don't put old wine in new barrels. Interesting. It doesn't, it, it overpowers the wine. Wow. Interesting. And there's all kinds of things we've learned. 
So we try to make wines that are very versatile with food. Mostly it's Pinot Noir that we think is the ultimate food wine because it, it has uh, amazing fruit characters and earthy nuances and all these complexities, but it's low in tannin. It doesn't have a lot of tannin and it has high acidity and the acidity just cuts into food so well and makes wines be alive to, to go with food. And, uh, and that's so important. I'm just not that good at, at deciding exactly what this wine goes with this certain item. You know, we... So uh, let me ask you this, like a good Pinot Noir, because you guys are absolutely wonderful with Pinot Noirs. You've got a huge portfolio of Pinot Noirs. Do, do, will a good Pinot Noir go with a fish or a chicken just as easily as it'll go with a good steak? I think so. Of course, you can go with lighter lighter Pinot Noirs for some of those dishes um, that are a little racier in character, maybe a little spicier. Um, I, I'm not, ex you know, and the fact that they're low in tannin makes them uh, accessible towards fish dishes. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not that particular about it, about it, but I know that there's, of course, other bigger styles of Pinot Noir that might go with uh, uh, meat dishes more. Not that I, any of our Pinot Noirs are uh, in the scale of how people make wine. They don't really approach the big side of wine because we don't make the high alcohol styles. Uh, we don't think those go very well with, with food and it's uh, always been our intention to make wines that, that, that went with food. Uh, being a chef, um, I'm a chef that makes wine and I make it for food. Um, everyone said in the beginning, why are you doing Pinot Noir? Well, there wasn't, um, it was one of the best grapes available at the time. It was in, it wasn't prolific, but the vineyards that were here had really high quality, but it wasn't recognized. And we wanted to make something that was he from here, local. And um, the Merlot was spotty, it wasn't good every year, but the Pinot seemed to be good every year. And so it was local, and there was this idea that there just wasn't very many good Pinot Noirs, and we had found something, we fell in love with it, let's make it, let's make it our house, house wine for the restaurant. So we did, and uh, nobody understood it then, and everyone said, you should have Cabernet for your house wine. And it turns out that, you know, in, in Bordeaux, they, they eat lamb with Cabernet. They, in Burgundy, they eat beef with Pinot Noir. So there is a long tradition of eating beef with Pinot Noir, but in America, we, since Napa was king with Cabernet, that was the thing. And um, it just happened that at that time, the Cabernet from growing around here, what, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't have it in the right place. We weren't growing it the correct way. And it wasn't, just wasn't very good. There was no Syrah back then uh, planted, so that wasn't an option. And maybe if Syrah had been plentiful at that time, maybe that would have been the direction we right. would have gone into. I'm not sure. It, it's not in the back of your mind you wanted to make wine to put in your restaurant. 
Well, when I made wine, I liked wine, then I wanted to make wine. And then, uh, and then it became pretty obvious that if we could make it for the restaurant, um, we would be cutting out all the middlemen, and uh, there was a, a potential to have a viable business. So that was always my intention. My partner, Gray Hartley, he always wanted a winery. He wanted a, a land-based business that was a little safer than being on a fishing boat in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an, kind of an understatement. Uh, that job of fishing in Alaska is one of the most dangerous yes. in the nation. And um, he, he did it for 30 years and uh, he was looking for a way out. So that was the reason we were expanding around the year 2000. He was trying to retire from fishing and be just in the wine business. I, I only wanted to sell wine to my re- restaurant and, and use it in my restaurant. I, I kind of pretend that that's all we, we do to this day. Um, it's, my, it's, it's, it's how I make wine. It's how I, what I'm thinking about when we're make, making the wine. Um, and it's, it's how we, what I always wanted to do. So I kind of pretend that that's what we're still doing, even though most of the wine sells it elsewhere. Yes, because I mean, I think... And I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I know HP. I can get HP at my grocery store, I, at, at Albertsons. That's that, right. You know? And, and, and that's, I, we should take a break, but I want to talk about distribution coming up. And I would like to talk about uh, a gentleman that wrote a book and uh, <laughs> became a movie. Our buddy Rex. Yeah, because yeah. that's a pinnacle in your life. Oh, and of course. Which, yes. I mean, people are probably listening to this. They don't realize we are talking to... The sideways. sideways and part oh, of the sideways. whole film was in hitching post this gentleman right here so yeah. we're gonna we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and find out a little bit more join us on all our social media platforms you can get a revisit and view all the latest posts giveaways and information on this podcast simply search inside the bunghole on facebook twitter or instagram like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or you can email us at insidethebunghole at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and visit our website at insidethebunghole.buzzsprout.com, where you can always find our latest podcast and past episodes. Cheers! I want to talk about your restaurant. I, uh came to your restaurant a few years ago, and I'll get back to this. I never saw the movie Sideways. Never knew it Sideways. You know, I know uh, Pickett that wrote, the Rex that wrote the, the book for it first and all that. But when I came into your restaurant, Sight Unseen, um, I got a table, I was lucky enough to get a table right where the fire pit was, and I can yeah. see the cook, cook everything. and. He was always looking to the left, and I thought maybe he was reading his tickets for his order. It turns out there was a Dodger baseball game on. <laughs> and I saw some busboys walk by, and he would flash his finger, like letting them know what the score was. So I know there's baseball going on in the back of the kitchen. There's yeah. Dodger fans. But yeah. what really blew me, not the food being awesome, was the most simplest thing in the world was there was a relish tray that you serve on every table. Who came up with that? Or It's so old school, and you still so, do that. Yeah, when my parents bought the restaurant in 1952, it was basically, um, uh, the concept was there already. 
um, and it was a Midwest steakhouse from the 50s. And uh, that stuck and that stayed. So there was, um, you know, the, it was the relish tray, the bay shrimp cocktail would be another item that, that is, you know, old like old that. Um, a salad, uh, you know, an entree that had a baked potato or French fries with the, with the protein. And then in Casmea, you get ice cream for dessert and coffees included. And uh, it's all crackers with butter. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right. And that, that's all a one, uh, one price. And we've changed it over here in Buellton. We took the dessert off and, then, and made a that's lot of because desserts. because you serve too much damn food. Well, you know, that it's an old problem with America. Um, we're still, the portions are too big uh, to this day. But I have to tell you, in 1952, there was one size portion. It was 20 ounces. Wow. Um, and it was a big revolution that my mother talked my father into having a 10 ounce uh, portion. We've now gone to the majority of our portions are five and seven ounces. But we still get a bunch of people that order 10 or 12 or uh, 15 ounce size steaks. It's wonderful food. So <laughs> the second time I came back, I saw the movie Sideways. And I went, oh my gosh, I've been to that place. So I got to visit back. So tell me a little bit about that turning point. Um, you, you're making your wine, you have your restaurant. Uh, and there's a gentleman. And there's this creep at the bar. Creep at the bar, writing and stuff. He's going to make a movie or no, just write we a book. We can't call Rex a creep. Right. Gosh, <laughs> an Rex, observer. Rex was. Uh, he would hang out at the bar after he was doing writing, and he was saying he was writing a book. And um, is he a local cat? He's uh, he's from Santa Monica. Um, I don't know where he's living right now, but he you know he he's got wine and chili. Yeah, he was writing in uh, a musical. Um, there's a bunch of music made. As a matter of fact, they were supposed to be in production and sideways uh, as a musical. Mm -hmm. Really? It, it's been uh, sidetracked, like everything right. has been sidetracked, I suppose. I haven't actually <laughs> I haven't heard from Rex from a long time, but I see him on Twitter once in a while. Anyway, he would hang out at the bar, and I, I didn't really know him. Uh, Hence, I'm not written into the book. He was friends with the bartender, said he'd write him into the book. And Rex had a crush on a waitress and said he'd write her into his book. And, uh, but they never dated. Uh, and uh, Rex went away and he came back a year later and he flashed one of those Hollywood Reporter kind of uh, rag newspapers. And it said that this, this had been sold as a screenplay um, before it was a book, he wasn't published, you know, he couldn't get published. Just like Miles in the movie couldn't get published, right? right. Yeah. Rex couldn't get published. Wow. And yeah. um, so the screenwrite sold before, the, before it was a book, before he, he made the book. As a matter of fact, the book may have never been published except it was being made into, into a, movie. a movie. And, and so he, he finally got to publish it. Um, it it's... You know, it's kind of amazing that they went, he went away, and we didn't think that was real, that, you know, oh, he's, it's going to be a movie, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And he went away, and we didn't know anything else until the, the, um, the site scouts started coming around and sniffing and asking questions, and we got wind that there was a movie going to be filmed, and then this director, Alexander Payne, and, um, which I didn't know anything about him, turns out to be a magical director, and 
has done so much good, so many good things. And yeah. I think uh, Sideways was his third movie. And he took a break to do About Smith. He bought the rights to it, but then did About Smith because he, he had access to Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholson, um, uh, and so was able to do that movie before. In, in in that about Smith, he's driving through the country in a motorhome, and he goes through a little town, and there's a marquee on a on a theater, and it says "Coming Soon Sideways." Oh, funny! Uh, in in about Smith. Oh, shut up! To look yeah, at that. yeah, and yeah. Um, and then they came and did them this movie. They were here for three days. And it was just an amazing party, wonderful people. They treated right. us like gold. Did you have to close everything down, or were you were able we to? We had to close for did. three okay. days, okay. and uh, we made them pay us receipts. Right. They almost weren't paying for any any of uh, the uh, site fees, location yeah. fees. Right. But we, they understood. They really wanted us in there. It's a, it's it's such an homage that they actually wanted to do it here. It it is, and I I I don't. Exactly. I know that Alexander Payne came and lived here for six months beforehand, and he got to check out the locations that were in the original uh, book, and then he did the adaptation of the screenplay, and so he was able to pick exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And uh, some reason he really wanted this this place. It was a local institution even then. Um, you know, we had been a family business since 1952 in Casmelia. And we moved here in 1986, and by now it's uh, it's Rex was here in '98 when he was writing. So, and it was 2003 when they filmed. So we were established, and we had wine, the wine program going good, and we're we're a popular, good restaurant and a winery, both. So I'm one of the few that uh, I was in the beginnings of where a restaurateur would actually be a wine wine maker, and I'm not just. I mean, I'm a real winemaker and, wine a, chef. Maker. and a, a chef, and I have um, sous chefs and executive chef that do most of that work now. I'm still the inspiration of the kitchen and the organizer, and if anything's wrong, I help fix it. But the winery, I'm the I'm the winemaker, um, and and Gray Hartley would be the cellar master if, in in how you put roles together for a winery. Winemaker thinks of what needs to be done, and the cellar master makes it happen. Makes it happen. James was saying over the break that you guys are kind of like um, Elton John and Bernie Taupin. You're, you're the teamwork that you guys. You, well, make, the, you make good music, but you kind of are separate in a way. You do yeah. your part, he does, he his, does part, his part, and when it comes together, middle. it's magic. Well, we each can do different things, and uh, and we're e either one of us. Can't, can't do it without the other one. Um, and together, it makes a lot more than, uh, than what we can do by ourselves. And uh, Were you distributed in grocery stores before the movie, or did that help? So before the movie, we're, our brand was a lot smaller, so we tended not to be in grocery stores, and actually, as a marketing strategy, didn't want to be in grocery stores. We wanted to be in restaurants. And, uh, and fine wine stores. Um, it wasn't until later when the, well, the brand, we, we got in trouble like everybody in 2008, 2009. Right, the recession. Yep. And, it, and it was really tough on restaurants. Yes. Um, and so we were top heavy in that category. 
we were uh, our sales were really down. So after that, we diversified more and got to be in markets and then still worked the restaurant thing. We had a, a really good distribution in Southern California that started long before the sideways um, thing. Um, and we have a long time relationship with, with our broker there. And they, they do the work, we stay out of their hair, we go there when they want us, but mostly they just want to our ability to market the brand has to do with having a restaurant here in Buellton that people have come to and they would come to the restaurant and leave being fans of the wine brand. Uh, that it was a pretty simple marketing strategy that uh, that movie Sideways really helped. Right, right. right. <laughs> Join us on all our social media platforms. You can get a revisit and view all the latest posts, giveaways, and information on this podcast. Simply search Inside the Bunghole on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or you can email us at insidethebunghole at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and visit our website at insidethebunghole.buzzsprout.com, where you can always find our latest podcast and past episodes. Cheers! Welcome back. We are sitting here with Frank Ostini, Ostini, tomato, tomato, of Hitchy Post Wines and Restaurant. I'm going to make you taste a white wine. Now. Yes. Because we're not that much of white wine makers, but we have access to some of the oldest vines in the, in the county. Uh, this is Chenin Blanc from the Los Alamos, uh, the Los Alamos area, area, the... Louis Lucas Vineyard, planted 40 years ago. It's not as serious as Chardonnay, but it's, yeah. it's, it's got a delicious roundness to it. I love Chardonnay. dry. I had this yesterday. Yesterday we had it during the tasting, and it is awesome. really, really good. And this is priced so well, by the way. Well, it's, you, know, you know, I think our retail is 20, 26. Um, we were, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we were uh, we were wanting to make white wine. You know, where would I get grapes? Go talk to Louis Lucas. He has some in Los Alamos. Boy, it's and, good. Uh, <laughs> Boy, is it good. You're not yet at the home run. Uh, we're we're thrilled to uh, to be able to make it, and uh, I just it's fun showing it off because it's it's unusual. It's an unusual style, uh, a barrel fermented Chenin Blanc. They usually do it in stainless? Yeah, it's yeah. usually in stainless, and there's usually residual sugar involved, um, but this is totally dry. Yeah. We mostly just sell it here at the tasting room, because, uh, and that's kind of why we made it, uh, because we, we're red wine makers. I yeah. mean, we are just, that's just what we do. And, uh, but the tasting room needs options. Yes. Uh, which is... Um, we, we have another uh, lighter style white wine called White Dahlia, which is Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon mostly. And then we made another white wine this year um, because uh, my wife is really interested in having a, a sweet wine, slightly sweet wine for the tasting room. So we made a, a white Riesling, 1% uh, residual sugar with lots of acidity that's just going to be released this spring of 2020. And it's made from the oldest vines in the county from Rancho Sisquat. 
50-year-old vines. We did a show on Riesling just to say that, boy, people they need don't to read. They don't have to be sweet. Rieslings are such yeah. a... Un, I mean, they're just oh, great. They're so... They're, yeah. They're so, a great food wine. Yes. Great food yeah. wine. So um, to our three listeners that are listening... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thanks for listening. Your restaurant hitching post, right across the way, just right, you know, in the parking lot is a tasting room. Um, and you do a lunch. And I know you guys are on bicycles, like little adult tricycles going back and forth and delivering. Uh, you're cooking the food at the hitching post and bringing it over to the tasting. And there's a little menu, a nice little lunch menu. When did you open this tasting room? Whose idea was it? And It came up uh, from for lease in 2018 and we um, decided it was time to, to finally have a tasting room and, and expand. Um, but for us, a tasting room had to have food involved. I mean, and so we were going to um, figure that out. And it turned out to be almost takeout style lunch, picnic style lunch, uh, order, order from here at the tasting room. Uh, we remodeled this old house which was uh, um, we don't even know how old this was it's a beautiful old property we found out so much about uh, about the property that they had grown dahlia bulbs uh, on this property and then sold them and then uh, the people the husband wife farmers would come to buy the bulbs the the husbands would be making the deal and the wives needed something to do so they built uh, a gift store shop in the Hitching Post restaurant, that building having to been their house when they were uh, in Anaheim, and they, they took it apart and brought it here in 23 truckloads. Wow. Now, board by board. Board by board. Board by board. We will make a wine story, a wine called 23 Loads, just to highlight the fact that the Hitching Post restaurant was on the site of Disneyland in Anaheim. They sold their property. They were gonna, it was going to be tore down. They took it apart and moved it up here. And so a lot of the wood and the boards and the structure, part of it is from that property that sat in Anaheim, California. Yeah. Wow. And the, the lady that owns this property and grew up in this house uh, was born in that house. So the, there's quite a history. And uh, so we try to take things like that and we named a wine, White Dahlia, in honor of them growing dahlias on this property. Ch changing gears, just some odd. Uh, we're going to do another pour, but I want to ask you as you're pouring this wine, and then you can talk about the wine, but um, you can hear it pour right now. Uh, you make, I'm sure it's you, or you can correct me, this thing called magic stuff, and it's this salt, and I ran out of it, and now that I'm here, I just bought um, another glass, a jar of it, and I also bought a bag of it. Um, Tell me about the magic stuff, because I love that seasoning salt. Is that your concoction, or? So here's, or the, here's the quick story. Yeah. So you're lucky you're talking to the, uh, the chef and not the fisherman. The okay. fisherman, I mean, he'd take you the whole show just to tell you that <laughs> about story. About that <laughs> seasoning salt. <laughs> you know, for the fisherman, the stories, not only do the fish get bigger, the stories get, get longer. Get longer, um, right. But that, that's great. So. In my, my, the original recipe, my dad gets the restaurant and, the, and you season the steak with three shakers. One is, is garlic salt, one is salt salt, and one is pepper. Okay. 
my brother realized that you could take the garlic salt and the salt salt and actually just make one shaker and have garlic salt. So he, uh, he, we would season with garlic salt and pepper. Um, and that's how we did it. We took the original recipe, which was really garlic, salt, and pepper, and kind of expanded it to use three kinds of peppers like they do in the Cajun cuisines, and added onion um, powder, and um, powder made our powder. own. It, the, it, the red part is cayenne, um, which we also use a different red, another red pepper too, that's really low in, in in uh, the pepper measurement. Yeah, um, Schofield, the uh, heat. Yeah, um, just because in order to balance all the flavors, we need more pepper, but it didn't have to be very peppery. Right. Um, it's great on popcorn, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's, yep. it's such an all-purpose seasoning. It is all-purpose. It evolves because the, the spices change sometimes, the, especially the cayenne pepper can be really, really crazy peppery and you got to be careful but we're convinced that it's a balancing act and uh, and, and name, that's what we try to make in that blend and the name magic stuff you just called it just magic stuff we think ma magic stuff happens around us and that and what we do i mean just to think of what has happened um you know a, a country restaurant that my parents got we opened a second location over here focused in you know let's grow the wine business and and that starts to happen around here, and then that thing sideways happens. Yeah, and the whole thing explodes. It's it magical. It's, it's magic all, stuff. It's magic stuff. Do, yeah. you, do you feel like a, an artist, like a musician, hears a song on the radio? Do you feel like if you're out of town somewhere in a grocery store and you walk and you see your bottle of wine, is it like hearing your song on a radio in a way? Is there a weird connect, a feeling like that? Like, oh my God, that's me. I'm in. I'm many miles home, away well. from my home, and there's a product of me here. So, having grown up in a business where people come to us and we see them experience what we do, um, the wine translates to going elsewhere uh, so much, so much more. And I, we are, we get a great thrill out of the sharing. And, uh, and seeing people enjoy it. So now we can, people tell us that they, they experience this somewhere else. I mean, we see it on social media all the time. And that's, that's just, that's just like, it's like another part of the magic that, that, that we do it here and we see it happen but now it can happen elsewhere. Somebody's yeah. enjoying it over there. Yeah, and you know we'll be on a, a Zoom um, tasting with England and Scotland uh, next week, and they will be tasting. We'll be ta tasting and talking and connecting with them there. And amazing. It's like it, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it does. It brings the whole world closer together. Now speaking yeah. of amazing, what is this uh, wine right so here? So this this is what our high-end Pinot Noir, which is a higher up than our highliner, which is uh, people will find, but you really won't find this one called Perfect Set. What ha the set happens in the spring when the, uh, the grapes are just starting to form their flowers and they have to be, uh, the, the crop has to be set, the pollination has to happen to get, and if it's warm and not too windy, and there'll be a, a, a set that happens complete and it won't be all spread out over time. 
and the crop will be even uh, and even. It's a real important time in the in a, in a vintage. Uh, so we we hope for perfect sets, and then we also think that the Hitchin Post restaurant was a perfect set in the movie Sideways. Yes. Um, <laughs> So it, it, it's kind of taken the same idea as Highliner, except for just the Santa Rita Hills, um, taking our best barrels of our best vineyards to make our best wine from the Santa Rita Hills. Just like the Highliner is a combination of Santa Rita Hills and Santa Maria Valley for the most part. And our best barrels from Bienacito and Sanford and Benedict Vineyard that come together for the Highliner. And so this is made in smaller production. Um, It'll be Sanford and Benedict and Fiddlesticks Vineyard with just a touch of the Rio Vista Vineyard. So it's mostly this Sanford and Benedict Fiddlesticks. You're all about the dry, once again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is, uh, you know, we try to make the, the Pinots of this level to be um, uh, focused and a little bit... Uh, 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 well, they hold back. They, they develop over time. This is 2017 vintage. And uh, so you have to search for it a little bit. It's not all in your face. So the, the, the alcohols aren't too high. They're age-worthy wines that... Uh, yeah, it's not a fruit forward. And it can sit in the bottle for 10 years. Yeah. We don't recommend it because we figure if you don't drink it, you're not going to buy another one. Exactly. Yes. Come on. There you go. Come on. Time's money, people. There's the marketing genius coming out of you. There it is. And, you know, there's another just marketing blunder. There are, are, there are styles of wine to be made that are more approachable and more, like, in, enjoyable in their youth. And they don't age very well, but they're great right now. Yeah. Except they don't go with food so well. And it's not a style we like, and we don't make them. So we make these wines that, that age so long, and sometimes you know, they, you, you, you barrel age them, and they kind of get round and delicious, and you put them in bottle, and then they lock up and don't show their uh, potential um, for a year, or they take a long time in the glass to evolve, to start to show you what's there. So you kind of know it's there because you saw it in barrel and you followed it right along and you have to wait this period of time. And then they go through their ups and downs of one day uh, for a couple months, they'll show really well. And then they kind of hide, go hiding again. Sure. It's crazy what happens. It is. Would, this, would, would these be good decanting wines? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not... Um, um, for young Pinot Noir that's made this way, they, they could be decanted in, or left in the glass for a while. I tend to look at them just straight out of the bottle. I, I often let wine sit around for three or four days uh, and see them tomorrow. I'll come back to this, this wine and, and, uh, and I'll have seen it evolve and change. And um, it gives me an idea of maybe what's going to happen in a year or two. So almost every day that you follow the wine is a, is a year later. And our wines have a tendency to not spoil um, and develop. I would imagine because they're low in tannins, right? Is no, well, the, the high in acidity, the low pH, um, something, there's something, and it's a measurable uh, thing about wine, it's ability to absorb oxygen. Um, because if oxygen is around wine, 
there's um, these bacteria, Acetobacter, that, that change the alcohol into vinegar. So when wines turn to vinegar, which is the natural process, grapes will naturally turn into wine, will naturally turn into vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> There's a process. We arrest that, that, right. that whole thing and, and keep it as wine. But wine, if wine has an ability to absorb oxygen, then that oxygen isn't available to make the acetobacter make it into vinegar. So the, while we see that the, the wines evolve towards vinegar, volatile acidity, it's sort of a, a, a progression that um, they're not bad because vol this volatile acidity is measured, something that we measure and follow. Um, is a part of every wine. And, and it's an essential part of the wine. It gives aromatics and a roundness and kind of sweetness until it becomes sour vinegar. You know, there's this there's evolution. A point. Yeah. yeah. And our wines will sit a week and, and continue to evolve, which tells me that they, they're going to evolve for years in the bottle. Wow. That's. Before we wrap up, if I was to write a book or do a documentary, it would be called The Man Under the Pith Helmet. And you just got to tell me about your hat. Well, you know, uh, the health department decided in the 90s that you have to wear hats in the, in the kitchen or hairnets. And we all had kind of long hair still. Um, and my wife worked at a leather store in Solvang here, First Street Leather, great store, great hat store. And she brought all these different hats for me to wear. I had a button-down uh, golfer's hat, a riding hat. But the pith helmet was the one that was the coolest. It is. And the one that people rec uh, liked the most. So I, it became the, the hat Your that I would mark. always it's brilliant. use. So it's been 30 years that I've been wearing this this uh, over the grill. It's, it's practical because it's made out of paper and it's cool. And it, it, I did it over a hot job. Um, then it became my winemaking hat because I did. I was doing more winemaking than I was chefing, so, and I wore it in winemaking too. It looks great on you. I mean, it fits perfectly. The pit yeah, helmet. you wear it for thirty years, <laughs> kind, of, kind of grow into it. I think. So, how does someone that our three listeners that are listening? Yeah. How do they find you? How do they order your wines? We're, you know, I know we're in in Buellton, mm. but. Give us some uh, contact information so we can, our three our three listeners can find you. So if you go to hitchingpost2.com or even uh, simpler, uh, hp2bbq.com, um, you'll find our, our menus, um, our, our, you can, and hpwines.com will get you to the, the wine side, but they're all kind of connected. Um, Hitchingpost2.com. Um, if you're ever up in the Santa Barbara region, you know, Santa Barbara's a wonderful beach town, but over the hill here is beautiful wine country in the St. Ed's Valley, which is where Bealton is. And we have, of course, wonderful dinner, uh, reservations suggested. Um, our lunch and wine tasting room right next to the restaurant are, uh, are open five days a week in the, in the afternoons, uh, 11.30 to four o'clock. Uh, so we invite people to come up. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful escape from, from urban areas of California. We're just a, uh, a couple hours north. Beautiful, the, the 
tasting room and the outside tables overlook this gorgeous little valley. It sits up. It per- it's perched up. It's great just a great day. cheeseburger only on Wednesday or something. Wednesday, well, the, the, the restaurant does them Wednesday and Thursday nights, but we do burgers every day do you? Uh, that we're open at the t- at the lunch. At the uh, lunch. Wow. Yeah. That's good so, to know. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. T- you know, it's hamburgers, cheeseburgers, steak sandwiches, uh, chicken, uh, you know, quesadilla. lunch salad, and pino, quesadillas, and pino, of course, and the pino. artichoke. And wine, and wine, and wine. And all the wine. All the wine to pair with it. And then in uh, distribution in uh, grocery stores. How far uh, west or east do you or international or go with? Your well, we're uh, mostly in California. We do sell in 15 states, but it's hard to get grocery store placements anywhere else. So we're strong in Southern California, and, uh, and you know through the 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 Vons, Albertsons, Pavilions, where the, the are our biggest customers, and a lot of our wine moves through that. But over in the in, in in the Palm Springs area, I think we're at Stater yeah, Brothers. That's where we're from. That's where and, we get. Um, and I don't know. We're 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 in a lot of wine shops, and of course, uh, we encourage people to join our wine club because you get twenty percent discount and a minor commitment to buy three bottles uh, three times a year. So it's it's real easy, and uh, and you get access to all of our wines. And that's as, international. The wine. Yeah. The, can you ship wines internationally? We do a little bit of international, but uh, mostly in, in in where I think we're in about twelve states that we ship to, but we don't ship to every one of them. They're, they're, the regulations yes. are, are, and it's a little hard to go international. But uh, we we do sell wine to Denmark and to Scotland and England. And Japan. Denmark doesn't surprise me because Solvang is all about the day. That's right. That's right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's yes. been great sitting here talking to you and finding uh, out more about you, about the restaurant, about your delicious wines. Your and family. We encourage everybody to come on out and enjoy a great meal at Hitching Post with some great wine. Thanks. Thank you. If you want to know more about Inside the Bunghole, join us on all our social media platforms. You can get a revisit and view all the latest posts, giveaways, and information on this podcast. Simply search Inside the Bunghole on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Like, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or you can email us at insidethebunghole at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in and visit our website at insidethebunghole.buzzsprout.com where you can always find our latest podcast and past episodes. Cheers! <laughs>